Welcome to another episode of Watching With. Um, I'm Mariah Gates from Netflix, and this week I'm joined by Alice Wu, writer and director of The Half of It. Hi. And we're going to be watching her film, and you're going to be watching with us. So we're going to count down, and then you should press play. Three, two, one, play. <laughs> wow. But we're starting now? Yes. Okay. Well, there's my producer's likely story. They're great. Uh, and um, so you'll notice with this film, it starts with an animation. And uh, I was really specific about wanting to make sure that I had some sense. I actually wanted to hire an artist before we went into the shoot. Uh, because if you've seen this film, you know that later on, there are like pieces of the film that get referenced in this animation. But also that, uh, for example, like here, this is uh, uh, this first moment, it's going to blow up into the letter, which obviously is uh, a lot of what this film is. Um, but also the style of this animation, which is a lot of sort of stop motion. Um, well, here, this is a reference to the hot spring scene. Uh, there's a lot of, you'll notice in the film, there's actually a lot of, uh, uh, purposely I try and do a lot of uh, uh, double uh, twinning stuff, and you'll see it in shots in terms of reflections. Here, this flower, uh, so this is, we hired an artist, so then artist actually drew a flower very similar to this, which is the picture that Aster draws for who she thinks is Paul that Ellie ends up uh, picking up later in uh, the scene. But yeah, the, the artist who did this animation is unbelievably talented, Haley Morris. I am so, so grateful to have found her. She, uh, she worked so fast and was just incredible. That was great. Okay. Um, how did you pick on, pick like the quotes, like the symposium? Oh, well, that's actually very much uh, when I first wrote when I was starting to write about this, uh, oh, wait, sorry, do you mind if I, I say something about this next shot coming sure. up? So this is the first introduction to our main character, Ellie, right? And it's key that I don't show you her face. Like, I was very specific about the fact that we were not really going to see, like, like you, her, your first real introduction to her, you see her back. And then from there on, I only want to see pieces of her life in this very opening montage. Um, and these are, like, little pieces of, of, so it's almost a little bit of a mystery, like, who this girl is which in a lot of ways is true. It's Ellie's journey through this entire film. So I think a lot with character about what is your first shot that you see them and what is your last shot. And you'll notice at the very end of the film, the last scene of the film really is this extended shot on Ellie's face, and it's just on her face. And I think visually that tells the story of this movie, right? Like the first time you see her, we only see her back. Um, we don't see her uh, completely. Um, and at the end you have a sense that she also knows who she is. And I think that's really what this movie is about. And so again, here you see pieces of her dad. Um, and this, what's coming up is the first time we ever really fully see our main character's face. And there it is. Uh, but yes, yeah, sorry, to answer your question, you were saying... Oh, the symposium. The symposium. Well, I chose that... Uh, because, you know, when I, it, it, thematically, this film very much is about finding perfect love. Like, you know, these, like this idea of like, oh, I've lost a piece of myself. I must find perfect love. But really, this film ends up being about friendship. You know, it ends up being about these, like these three characters. None of them end up together, but all of them, through their interactions with each other, end up finding 
something um, important about themselves that allows them to become the person that they really meant to be. So by the end of the film, it's sort of my favorite kind of ending for a film, which isn't just, they got married, hooray, but more that in a way at the end of the film, all three characters are about to begin their journey. So something I will say here is that uh, when I first started writing this movie, uh, I realized the hook could have been very commercial and it could have been set in a big high school in, say, Orange County, and it could have been very, like, broad and funny and fast. But uh, right as I started writing this, Trump had just been elected, and I remembered thinking a lot about, like, huh, I, I, I fully hadn't re recognized that, um, you know, I knew there's racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia and all sorts of, like, obviously, but I don't think I fully recognized how much of the country uh, was, um, you know, had, uh, were so entrenched with those attitudes. So a lot of, that's the moment when I realized, like, you know, I'm going to set this in a small town. I don't say it's Trump country, but it's a small rural town where there are conservative values. And in a way, it was my attempt to really kind of understand what that would be like. Um, but also if I'm being, um, you know, completely honest, I grew up in a small conservative Chinese family. Uh, that was also racist and sexist and homophobic. And I grew up with those attitudes. And I think my parents are great people. So this was an attempt for me to sort of be like, well, I just don't believe that those people are bad. I think there's, there's something else going on. So that kind of led me to, again, setting it in this rural town. And um, I actually grew up in a small rural town in Northern California. And this reminded me of my high school time. So that, that was my first reaction was like, it felt right. Yeah, where did you grow up? Uh, Modoc County. It's the most northeastern county in California. Amazing. It's very small. Yeah, right near the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's but, exactly, this is set in eastern Washington state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she goes to, she's going to go to E-Dub. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad mm -hmm. you caught that. Yeah. This, it feels, it felt right to me. Yeah. Like, um, there's a scene later on that I was like, this looked like my high school experience. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, so, and you, you asked me about music earlier, like there's a lot of, uh, I, I was in band and it's sort of hilarious back then you end up singing these old songs. That's why I chose Annie's song. A, I love John Denver. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but B, it's super funny how through the years it's like they, these are the songs that end up getting sung. Um, but yeah, that's our, our first look at our, so where our, did you find mm -hmm. this location? Well, so because we were a smaller budget, we couldn't afford to shoot in Eastern Washington State because that would require flying all of our crew there. But it turns out that upstate New York is also Trump country and very rural. So I spent two days driving around for locations manager to confirm that there was going to be um, exteriors that I could live with. And I did find some in the, uh, I saw some in the Catskills. I saw some in Rockland County. But we did eight days in loca on location in the Adirondacks in this really amazing small town called Old Forge, which is where the train station is, then a lot of the interiors and a lot of the, the roads are actually just outside uh, what is called the zone in New York City, which is if you're in the zone, then it, it, it's a budget thing, but it allows you to uh, not have to pay too much in terms of overtime for your crew. Um, and so we'd find places maybe just outside the zone. And so maybe instead of getting a full 12-hour shooting day, maybe I only got like nine hours, but that was still going to be cheaper than going, you know, 
than flying somewhere entirely else and flying our whole crew there. Now, this high school is actually in Rockland County. Um, and a lot of these uh, uh, places end up being there. And then there are a few interiors that were actually in Brooklyn, you know, that, mm. uh, but like, yeah, this is another road um, that is uh, in that area. I, I don't know. I personally love the shot. I think the shot's super hilarious to me because it just tells, like, this the first time they're going to meet, like, these two tiny people and their tiny problems is sort of how I, yeah. I see this. And I, I, I'm so blessed to have the actors I did. Like, I really, I, like, scoured to find my three main actors. Um, and they were, like, I, I mean, honestly, I think getting a chance to work with uh, actors who are really at the start of their career, um, and these three in particular, just worked so hard and are so talented. And I was just so, like, it's honestly probably one of the most special things uh, that I maybe have ever done is getting to watch them um, like in rehearsal, just how much they each dug into the characters. And, um, you know, I, and, and just the things they shared with me. Um, like Leah, who plays Ellie here, if you meet her in person, she is the most social. Like, she's infinitely cooler than I am. Um, but she ended up finding the part of her that is, like, quiet and shy and, like, holds herself tightly. And it's just really beautiful, the work she does. Um here, actually, I want to just give a shout out to my, my production designer, Sue Chan, who really, so I love texture and she really got that. But I also really love foreground background stuff. And as soon as I said that, she was like, okay, we got to design this apartment like a railroad so that you have stuff in the back. Like for me, I, I like sometimes seeing a little bit of action in the background with stuff in the foreground. You'll see that multiple times in this film, but it makes it interesting only if you have the kind of production design. And again, my cinematographer, uh, Greta Zuzula, did a fantastic job really allowing for that. Um, and I feel like I should just mention that obviously there are a lot of classic movies in this. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you land on the movies you included? So I, so almost all of them are scripted in the script. And they're all, if you notice, they all have triangles in them. Mm. Casablanca has a triangle. Philadelphia Story has a triangle. You know, like the Wings of Desire doesn't have a triangle, but the thing about Wings of Desire is, um, and which is coming up, uh, actually, I should probably talk about that uh, when it, once when it, it comes, comes up. up. But I will also say um, that this is a Serrano story, and if anyone's really paying attention, I subtly am playing a little bit of a game where there are more than a few scenes where I'm actually paying homage to either a favorite film or a favorite filmmaker. And I mentioned this one because this is one of them. And let's see if you can guess which one. But there are, again, multiple times in the film where, like, I'm sort of slightly playing with, like, you know, if this is about a girl using or a guy using another girl's words to win over someone, I'm also sort of doing a little Mm. game of my own. Yeah, I'm not sure. You probably won't guess because you're probably too young. I, I, that's your only clue you guys are going to get. Oh, no. Um, well, I've seen a lot of movies, but I'm not sure. Was it them standing next to each other? Was the homage? Or... So, that's going to um, drive me crazy. This part is so cute. You know, it's so funny. Daniel's 6'5", 
and I, I, Daniel, who plays Paul, and he's just honestly, just genuinely one of like the. This is not a word, but one of the goodest people I've ever met. <laughs> he's mm. just he, and it's funny because he did not think he's this character, and in reality, he's extremely smart, and he's like he went to medical school, and you know, like he's an excellent actor. But he is this character because his just essential goodness, which is something I wanted for Paul, um, is that if this guy is going to be a small town religious guy who is going to turn out to have homophobic attitudes, I wanted us to over time, like in, in particular the way we, Daniel's actually incredibly handsome, but the way we groom him in the beginning, I want us to be like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. But by the end, we fall in love with him, sort of mirroring Ellie following in love with Paul. And I think... The key is Daniel can't just be a handsome, like Paul can't be just a handsome guy. He has to kind of be like a guy who probably needs some help in order to get the girl of his dreams. But we fall in love with him because he turns out to be the most emotionally intelligent character in the film. Yeah. And uh, Daniel is that. Like the actual actor is incredible at um, accessing that kind of uh, uh, deep soulfulness. This is a good moment. Love makes you screwy. Yeah. That's a great line. Yeah, my favorite thing is when she's like, no. <laughs> like, it's like, doesn't make sense. So where was this church location? This was in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah, we tried. We only got to do a handful of locations in Brooklyn, which the crew was thrilled about because it was much easier to get to. Everything else pretty much was in and, oh, so Wings of Desire. Here, I, I bring this up because later on when we get to the hot springs, I kind of slightly, there's a moment when she turns and her shoulder's there and mm-hmm. it's a little bit of an echo. But the other thing I would say about Wings of Desire is that um, I remembered seeing it when I was a lot younger and loving it and then realizing that this it's about an angel who can't be seen and it falls in love with a human. Um, and I realized that that probably reflects upon what it's like to be gay and closeted and you cannot tell someone you have a crush on them but someone would never expect that you do Mm. Um, so you asked about movies but that's one reason that one's in there that makes sense here's oscar wilde obviously yeah that was the only quote that was not scripted in the movie and in the script all the others are scripted uh so that's one funny thing is when you edit and you realize what you have then it's like where am i where do i need a quote break and that was one and i was looking and i so that one is actually the only one that, that is is not a... I love that he has to look up what yeah. plagiarized meant. Yeah, and then he calls her out on it. It's also funny because uh, uh, I, I, uh, I mean, this, this is, I have two, um, I have sort of two touchstones, uh, which is uh, authenticity and timelessness. I told my creative team, like, the key is that I want people to believe these are real kids and that we, um, you know, we believe that they're in high school. But I also don't want us to lean too hard into the trends of the moment. Uh, so it will date the film, right? I'm hoping that 10 years from now you can watch this film and still feel it. And I, I was mentioning that because I was looking at that that helmet and my props guy, Michael Aiken, was fantastic. But he got it and he would bring me these props. 
And a lot of things seem, when I look watching them now, I'm like, God, that's like a helmet I wore like mm. so long ago. And yet it still feels like someone could wear something like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, so that's the, uh, that's where a lot of the aesthetic of the film comes from. This shot, I want to give a shout out to my cinematographer, Greta Zozula. I think she has a great eye. Um, we were looking and she took a photo from the church from up there. And I'm like, I love that. You know, and that that's a, uh, yeah. There. Also, we all notice there are American flags everywhere in here, like mm-hmm. the production design team. So is this um, location actually had this background and this house next to each other? Or is that Believe sort of it or not, bit? this was like one of those things. That was one of the few days we'd done locations where that train station is. And then we looked from the train station and there was like a house which we were able to like we were able to use. And that's not, it's actually not their house. It's actually Mm. the back of their sausage factory. But yeah, that actually, thank God, was there, which allowed us to shoot um, locationally. So yeah, I really love these scrims. uh, Su Chan, the production designer, ended up like getting a bunch of them, and this is one we chose. But it just it's sort of again, I love the textures on their face. Um, one thing, just just to since this is Aster's montage, I want to take a moment and talk about Alexis Lemire, who plays Aster. And Alexis is incredibly uh, intuitive, and so every actor needs different things, and the wonderful thing about Alexis is that she can make something feel very natural and real. And um, with her, my thought is always, what is the least amount I can say to her? Because I think it's much more interesting to see, for me to see what she can do with that. And like, she's someone that the less you say, the better Mm -hmm. for her first instinct, you know, like, whereas other actors, like the more you talk about it, the better. But yeah, it's something you you suss out and you learn um, as you go. Where did yeah. you get these scarves? Did oh you my make, God. So I wrote in that I want these neck gaiters. And then my costume designer, uh, Vicki Farrell, was like showing me possibilities. And like when she showed me this one, because she knits, I was like, this one, definitely. <laughs> but then the funny thing is they were supposed to be garish. But then weirdly, it's like someone was saying, they're actually kind of cool. And I'm like... I guess, like, the point initially was they were supposed to be ridiculous, which they are kind of. But then I, it's funny, some of the uh, uh, actors are like, actually, I kind of like this. <laughs> but, yeah, notice that everyone else is blonde. That was yeah. the other thing, which was that, like, we were constantly looking for blonde background. It's uh, funny, we couldn't, or I was told I couldn't use Venmo because I'd written Venmo initially, mm. so I had to come up with a name. Uh, so then I came up with Hushmo. Hushmo. Which, uh, and then afterward, um, I was later on told like, oh, you could use Venmo, but by then we'd already shot the film and they already say the words Hushmo. Yeah, Hushmo. But I actually think Hushmo is a great idea. Someone should actually make that as, a, as an app. Yeah, this is, uh, I remember we had to shoot all of our exterior roads and like like we were at that park for two days and it was a lot of, like those days were, were nuts. Yeah. Um, I would imagine they wouldn't be the most variety of shots if you're shooting a road over and over. No, or... no, no. We, I'm sorry. 
all we went to a bunch of different roads. Oh, got we had to shoot all of our exteriors in two days. I'm saying it was just a crazy yeah. shoot. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we chose different locations, um, so we had different. Uh, but uh, here, this is interesting. We lost our bathroom the night before we were due to shoot it. We lost our football field, too. Oh, no. And so it was insane. We had this insane day. It was the end of our first week where we had to shoot two football games and at night this bathroom. Um, and we had a end up with a totally different bathroom. And so this ended up being, we shot a master just in case, but we also only had two setups. And in this setup... It was just really beautiful. And I was like, you know, I prefer this. I actually love this all in one shot rather than doing, you know, initially we had like three setups that we could have cut between. Um, But I think it lends a sort of dreaminess to this and it keeps their connection together. But it just meant the AC had to be like, oh, okay, now we're racking focus here. Now we're racking focus here. He did a great job. Yeah, it's really great to see them both sort of reflected in the mirror like that. This teacher is fun. Yeah, how she's you... Becky Ann Baker. Amazing. Sorry, you were going to ask. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you um, end up casting this role? Like, what were you looking for in it? I was looking... Well, I love Becky Ann Baker, so we just went out to her, and she she did it. She yeah. said yes, and she was so lovely. She came out to Brooklyn to meet me for coffee, and we talked about it, and she's, she's a pro, and so... Not just, like, obviously amazingly talented, but just a good, like, kind person, um, yeah, she just got it. And, um, uh, I, she, I got to work with her on our, my very first day, the only time work from the first day of the shoot. And she was so, she was just on it. So what's interesting about this painting is, uh, initially I'd wanted a specific Chagall, but we couldn't afford it. Um, and there, or Matisse, and then we couldn't afford that. And then I started thinking like, well, I want another abstract expressionist, but I should find a woman. Um, and so this is actually Helen Frankenthaler, who's one of the most famous uh, uh, female abstract expressionists. And uh, it turned out to be a much better choice than any of the others, but it was also a chance to, in a way, show you, uh, for anyone who loves art, it tells you a little bit about Aster that she's looking at that. And it's also always nice to to uh, promote a, another um, another woman artist. I love that he's... his family's business is gravel yes that's so perfect also those two jackets like babe which one they're literally the same jacket which is super funny like the uh so good yeah i love i want to also give a shout out to colin chow who plays the dad who's more than more than like 10 of my friends have mentioned how handsome he is so colin if you're watching this (laughs) i know you're married but you should just know you have a lot of admirers uh, so how did we? How did you go about doing this painting? Yeah. So I always written a mural in the script, and I remembered immediately production was freaking out about like how are we going to shoot this? We don't have the time to shoot this, and I was like, look, I'm seeing it more like animation. Like I only need to see the two actors um, in the beginning and at the end. And so, funnily enough, in order to make our very tight schedule work. We are shooting this at the same time. I'm also shooting the clothing store scene. So they are within about a block of each other, and I'm running back and forth as they're mm. setting that up. I'm running here. Now, Sue Chan, our production designer, had uh, the scenic Jacqueline Nowalski uh, paint, um, uh, who painted this mural. But Sue also came up with the great idea where I'm like, look, this is what I want back and forth. And Sue's like, how about it becomes something at the end? And that was really Sue's idea. And we work in nature. So what's great is this woman's hair goes into, you know, the the, the leaves. And that was all Sue. 
Um, and I was like, that is a brilliant idea. So there's a back and forth going on there where you see Ellie like comes into something chaotic and then Astor's constantly trying to make it make sense visually. And then Astor does, I mean, Ellie does something else chaotic, chaotic and Astor makes it make sense. And that also shows you something about their personality. This is funny. This shot, by the way, because, again, we didn't have money to shoot. So we literally repurposed that shot from the end of the film. Mm. We just had to take Paul out of the shot. So, again, this is more twinning. So we're always like, okay, Aster's on this side of the screen. Ellie's on that side of the screen. So we had to pre-plan, even though these were shot in very different days. Um, everything had to be planned in terms of the size of how big they are in the frame um, and how the dolly moves. I like how for her dating is intellectual and for him dating is the burgers and fries and shakes. It's yes. very interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I love the scene. This is a scene that reminds me of where I went to high school. Yeah. Like they're all in pink and jeans. And yeah. They're in the mudded, mudding. And I'm like, yes, I have and, been here. And I love that mudding, by the way, is as boring as it's like nothing is exciting. Like it's literally yeah. two trucks trying to drive out of a puddle. Yeah. Um, this was a scene that like I think production kept wanting to cut because they're like, how are we going to do this? And thank God, again, I had the best uh, producers who then figured it out. And I'm like, look, we need mudding because it will tell you everything about this town. Yeah. Well, that was the detail where I was like, yes. Yes, I've seen this. <laughs> it's so accurate. I, I, I love um, that. Yeah, hear that, producers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wolfgang um, Novogratz. Oh, he's, he plays. Um, that that guy's a freaking star. He's um, very funny in yeah. this. He's, uh, uh, he's game for anything, and he's so sharp and so funny. Like, that guy's so talented. So ghost message is supposed to be like Snapchat or? No, it's just like I couldn't. So again, I had to make up something where I wanted to use, like we couldn't use Skype or Kick Messenger. I needed a, I needed a messenger that wasn't attached to your phone number. Mm. Because otherwise, how, how does, is there yeah. a messenger that like Ellie can use? So I had to that make one up. Um, and everything I suggested got rejected by legal and that. I don't love Ghost Messenger, to be honest, but it was the only one that passed muster that was okay. Oh, and by the way, Remains of the Day, fantastic book. If you haven't read it, you really should. Uh, that was also written into the script. And um, This diner is fantastic. It's a diner called Sparky's. Uh, in, uh, it's actually in Rockland County. Mm. Um, and... It, yeah, that's the uh, every time we went in there, the owner kept forcing free food on us, and we kept trying to pay for it, and she kept refusing to let us pay, and we'd always try to find ways to compensate her. Okay, I have to say, uh, Daniel Deemer, who plays Paul here, he had to drink so many freaking milkshakes this <laughs> night. I felt like that guy is a champ. Like, you will not believe how many milkshakes he had to, like, you know, uh, and he he drank all of them. So those are real, real chocolate milkshakes. Those are real chocolate milkshakes. Yeah, that he, uh... they look good. Actually, they were good. We all had one at the end. This is, uh, yeah, I, for those of you who don't know, since this is all of our diner stuff was shot in one. Actually, it was two nights. I take that back, which those were our easiest days or those two diner nights. Every other day was incredibly crazy packed. Um, but because these actually had to be shot all at night. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, yeah, those are our two night days. But yeah, I love all the details and the of uh. I mean, this diner pretty much looks exactly right. We just had to replace all of the New York's paraphernalia, Washington State paraphernalia. That makes sense. So I, I just love like Daniel is like runs so much in this movie. Like that guy's so strong. Um, but like oh, I should also say that chugga chugga choo choo. I I did grow up with the kids calling me chugga chugga woo woo when I'd bike to school. So that's actually a real detail. Oh really? Yeah. I was wondering. That's a great tidbit. I mean, that's sad, but a great tidbit. Yes. And, exactly. uh, yeah. I yeah. love how this really cements how this is about to be a friendship movie where he just yeah. he just does that. Stands yeah. up for her. Yeah. Like this is the beginning of the turning point where, yeah, you're exactly right. This abandoned train car. I love this. This wasn't even supposed to be a location. Um Initially, this stuff was all set around the engineer's booth that she's in. But where we shot in the train station, I saw an abandoned train car and I looked in. I was like, we are, I'm resetting some scenes in this thing. We are shooting here because it looks amazing. Yeah, it's a and great then, location. Uh, yeah. So I, then I rewrote those scenes specifically. I mean, I just set them here because look at this place. Did you add the rain or was it actually raining? Oh, God, it was raining a lot at that time, so I can't remember. Oh, here, okay. Yes, sometimes it's raining, but the sound you're hearing, mm-hmm. it's all sound design rain. Like, you you, you want to not, we can't actually, you, you, we can't record there, we can't record sound with rain on the tracks because then it doesn't. So all, any actual rain has to get cleaned out. Mm-hmm. And then we, yeah, it's all sound design. And I drove my sound designer uh, well, actually, I didn't drive him crazy because he's very patient. But I was like, I want different quality of rain for all these different places because they all say different things. Um, but yeah, like Paul's always training. I sort of love that every time you see him, he's just always jogging. And um, her dad always has that ready to go. Yeah. Like ready to go just in case he needs it. Yeah. It's uh, it's so funny. Leah doesn't actually speak a word of Mandarin. Um, and so we had to, she like... She had eight lines, and I recorded my voice, and she just worked and worked and worked and worked. And, like, I think she did a really great job. Yeah, so this I, uh, this is one of my favorite scenes. I just think it's super hilarious because I think um, I think Paul's right. Like, like, this isn't no exit makes no sense at all. <laughs> like, the... Uh, Oh, yeah. This is another one of those pre-planned shots where we had to, like, figure out how to. Hepburn versus Hepburn is, like, one of the great debates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. So I have to say about taco sausage that when I wrote this script, um, I remember when I came up with that idea, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with this script, but taco sausage is a big winner. Like, I'm totally convinced someone's going to make that thing and it's going to be delicious. Um, oh, I also want to say here, one thing I did not know, but was a happy accident. Um, Daniel Deemer is actually a, like, used to teach ping pong. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, thank God, because it made those ping pong scenes a lot easier to shoot because he was so good at, like, keeping the ball on the table. So was this a uh, film location, the movie theater? Was that up in New- upstate New York also? or No, that was in Brooklyn. Oh. Yeah, we had three Brooklyn days, and we had to do a bunch of... Uh, yeah, again, interiors, Yeah, as much as you can. You want them close to the crew. And that yeah. exterior shot, was that? 
That wasn't the exterior shot was in in on location. Got it. That was in the same town the train station's in. Yeah, we couldn't afford a pharmacy, so that was literally a room mm. where like production design had to put a few shelves and because it's like, like here's the shot. So we're just gonna Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. This day this is a classic example of like this setup was supposed to be five setups and then on that day we the sun was blaring so hard that we couldn't get the reflection off the truck. And so it was taking two hours of just trying to, like, they couldn't figure out what to do, and then we had to move on. I was like, let's just get one shot. And I'm like, this is the shot. So they're going to be there, then we're just going to do a pullout. And then we saw, I was like, oh, this works This works so much better. And it was yeah. like, we got it. And, um, yeah. Hates reasons. So mm. before you had that uh, location, where were they going to be writing all these notes at? They were supposed to just be writing it on a big whiteboard that, like, cluttered around the engineer's booth. But as soon as I saw this, I made it an even bigger. It's like, all right, let's just go. I, I really want, I, I, I want to say, like, I, because this is also an immigrant story for Ellie and her immigrant family. Um, but then contrasting, I would say that like Astor's family is not an immigrant family. They're mm-hmm. actually, you know, born and bred here. But I think, uh, so it's important to me that they're like a U.S. born Latinx family. Um, but yet there are different ways in this town to end up being sort of othered. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think it's, it's, a, uh, it's an interesting distinction. Oh, God, I love that. So I just want you to notice that this next shot is all one shot. That shot right there was all one shot? Yeah, that's all one shot, but keep going. I'm saying this whole next thing is the same shot. Oh, wow. Right. And it's and the thing is, I, I just because the, the immediacy of their performances, like as opposed to the cutting in the first half of the scene. So this has to do with rhythm and pacing of scenes, right? Mm-hmm. And because I trained as an editor, I think a lot about like how, so the first half of the scene, they're not really connected. There's like boom, 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 boom. And now things slow down. And I think we feel the power of their connection more because from the moment he gives that speech in the crack of that door to us slowly going with her and racking focus to her, like her realizing it, she gets back in the car. We're still in the same shot. This whole thing is happening. There is a sense of us being there with them and there's a sense of it being so just real is the only way I can put it. And I think it's really important. And we don't cut until finally this moment where she likes it. And then that's the first cut. Yeah, it's a, that's a long setup. Yeah. <laughs> you well, get it. I mean, you do both. So we have both, so we could have yeah. cut. But I was I was going to keep doing, I we did like five takes, and that was the fifth take. I'm like, that's the one I'm using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was secretly looking. I didn't want to tell them because I don't want to stress them out. Yeah. But yeah, like that. That's that's honestly one of my absolute favorite shots in the movie because I think of what it does for them emotionally. Oh my God, this family, these actors are so funny. Like they'd never met each other before and they were a little bit shy. And I was like, I gave each of them a little 
thing. And they had some scripted lines. And I said, then go. And by the second take, you could not get them to stop fighting. Like, <laughs> I'd be like screaming cut and they couldn't hear me. They were so funny. So this is City Lights. Yes. Yes. And also it's the music from City Lights, which I think scores this whole moment it's beautiful. beautifully. Also, if you notice every time we're in the train, it, I'm not sure if you, if you have Atmos sound, you'll notice this. Um, there are creaks that are subtly placed so that you always kind of hear the, the train station creaking a oh. bit. So if you have Atmos sound, you're going to subtly notice in the background that it, the feel of it's always a little windy outside. This is a minor thing, but in the background where you see the dog thing, it says found. And the first time we went to the uh, uh, ping pong, it was just like lost dog. And every time we come back, something different happens with that. Oh, that's, that, a, that's yeah, a good a Easter egg. Funny little thing on the day. I was like laughing with the onset dresser. who's like, should we do that? I'm like, yeah, do it. And so she. Ping pong is a good way to practice cadence in, in conversation. Like, I never thought about that before, but I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. When yeah. she says um, balance the tone and the energy or something like that, it's yeah. really smart. It also makes you, like, the goal is not to win. The goal is to hit a ball that the other person can hit back. Yeah, which is exactly what conversation is. It's mm -hmm. a really good metaphor. I... I yeah, I really love uh, the actor who plays Father Shanley. That guy is super sharp and uh, incredibly funny. So there's a lot of green in the movie. Was that mm -hmm. purposeful, that like bold green, or is it just... I mean, I think it's set in the Northwest, so a lot of green comes mm -hmm. from the fact that, you know, whenever we're in exteriors, there's always a lot of green. Um, but I do love the color green, so... Um, and But we did talk, certainly with production design and costume, we talked a little bit about individual characters and the colors. Um, and uh, uh, It's like her, her room is very green. Yeah. I noticed that. So I have to say that this is because I hate emojis. I never send them. And this is literally a conversation I had with somebody where I was like, what do they mean? They don't mean anything. Yeah, I'm not the biggest user. I use like five emojis. Yeah, I I'm grow, they've grown on me because I have to admit, sometimes my friends will send me an emoji and it actually makes me kind of happy. And then I'm like, <laughs> God, am I like really that much of a Grinch? <laughs> like, But then when I send, I feel like if I sent an emoji, my friends would be like, did your phone get hacked? <laughs> the only one I use a lot is the flamingo because I love what flamingos. Does that mean? I, I don't know what it means. See? I just love flamingos. See? <laughs> but um, people add meetings to them. Yeah. Right here, um, I this is, I, I don't know, I just love this moment emotionally um, for seeing how the character opens up. Uh, and in part, and my mom is alive and I adore her. Uh, and I think for me, I actually, when I wrote this, it, I think the thought of my mom dying is so difficult for me. And I thought, like, how would I describe her? And it's pretty much exactly like the way Ellie just did. Um, Their jackets are really, really accurate, too. 
like uh, every boy, are, every boy I went to school with wore that jacket. Right? Yes. I I know. I Vicky Farrell. Like when she first showed me, I was like, "That's it." I actually have that jacket. That is sort of funny. that is the right jacket. Uh, there was this funny moment on shoot once when it was freezing, because um, it, it was and. Um, Blair, uh, my producer's like, you have to put on your coat. And I'm like, I'm not putting on my coat because it's literally that coat. And I'm like, I'm not going to put it on because like Leah's wearing that coat. The, the you know, like the, the, the girl who's a stand-in is wearing that coat. And I'm like, I can't. And she's like, no, put your coat on. So she made me put it on. And, imme- and like, she's like, no one will notice. And immediately Leah walks in and is like, why are you wearing this coat? I'm like, this is my coat. You, you're like ripping off my coat. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I love this. This is another one of those where we had to, that's our last setup for the two of them. And I saw these yoga balls and I just thought the idea of gigantic Daniel bouncing on a yoga ball just struck me as funny. Um, So it's like a subtle thing, but it's just like, you know, if they're not doing ping pong, what could they be doing? And and without it calling so much attention to itself, we're not with them. Was this a wall painting that Party. was there. That oh, was there. I shouldn't say that. No, they put that. They didn't paint it. They yes, production design put the put a mural there. Yes, the uh, see how Alaska. There's mm. any attempt to make us think we're in the Pacific Northwest. Um, uh, this was all production design. This actually is the only stage we had. Like this is our. You have to do one stage day. Yeah. So, which killed our locations manager because of course the easiest thing for him to find is a rec room. But yeah, that ended up being our our stage day. Yeah, this is a big moment where she thinks that he's discovered, but then he's not because he hasn't thought that deep yet. Yeah, like it doesn't even occur to him as a thing. Yeah. And I think it's important to sell the last moment when he finally realizes because you're like, how come he doesn't realize? And you're like, oh, I see. He doesn't even see it. Yeah. Um, It just wouldn't have crossed his mind as an option. Yeah, I think this is the moment she really realizes how much she cares about him, too. Like, she's starting to, um, like, realize, like, oh, um, he's really in pain over this. It really underscores the friendship level of this movie, this scene. Yeah, Um, and it, it's funny because this whole thing, um, I think literally her guilt about this is the only reason she agrees to taste taco sausage, which is a scene that comes up. Yeah. And so again, for for those of you who are thinking about writing scenes, like that's always like you're, you're always trying to think of what is the emotional thing that propels you to the next. Um, and it just makes me laugh that like literally like that results in this. Now, I will say that I know those taco sausages look unappetizing and that is on purpose because the whole goal is it should be like, what the heck is this? And then the surprise is that it's delicious. The right? sound design here is excellent. They <laughs> sound so tasty. Doesn't it? It sounds so tasty. The perfect yeah. crunch. Uh, yeah. Steve Bourne, my sound designer on both my films. Um, uh, the, uh, But yeah. I, I actually get hungry looking at this, but I also love tacos and sausages. Um, but look how happy he yeah, is. he's so happy. Know, isn't that the... So this is very funny. This is a film called Ek Villain, which is a huge film in India. Mm-hmm. 
this was not scripted because at the time I just wrote like some film where a guy's running after a girl. Turns out incredibly hard to find. Like you'd think that's a trope that'd be easy to find. Try looking for one in classic films. It doesn't actually exist. And weirdly where it exists is in this Indian film. And then I thought this is perfect and even better because we're going from these classic films to now they're watching some international film that he would never watch. Yeah. Which I think sort of maybe it subversively allows us to sort of realize, oh, there's a world of classic films out there, not just ours. And so this is a very famous Indian film that probably started the whole trope in India of like guy running after girl on train. And it fits nicely with the, yeah. them being in a train. Like, yeah. just I, I want to say here in that big wide shot that we were just in, uh, one of the 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 uh, influences I gave to uh, my production designer, my DP, is um, Edward Hopper. Mm, yes. So when you ask about colors and you ask about green, like I'd said, look, I, I really, especially at the train station, I really love like Edward Hopper as a reference visually for this film. I can see that. Um, But you most see it, I think, in that wide shot into the... Now, this song uh, was written by a guy named Joe Pernice uh, from the Scud Mountain Boys, who I love. Uh, And it's funny because initially I listened to a ton of possible songwriters and then I came across his stuff and was like, this is the guy. Like, there's something very soulful about it. And so he wrote the song um, for L.A. and it's beautiful. Um, the, uh, uh, cause I said, look, I need one very simple verse. Um, this can't be like, we can't be on camera listening to a song forever, right? Like later on when we hear her play it, we can't be listening to like two minutes of her singing. So give me one powerful verse that's just very simple and it ends. Um, and I think he did a wonderful job. So this also is um, the Ruin Brothers, uh, who also wrote two songs for this. But there are four of their songs in this movie, um, but this is one of them. Um, and again, incredibly talented uh, uh, brothers. I love this song. How did you end up having um, them write the songs? So again, I'd listened to a bunch of people. Um, we couldn't afford any music that I want at this point because I had the three songs I really wanted, If You Leave Me Now by Chicago, uh, the Gordon Lightfoot song that comes later here, um, and then the uh, Sharon Van Etten song that comes up. And so pretty much everything else had to be super, super cheap. And uh, the Room Brothers are this brand new, like, this one, my music supervisor, Tracy McKnight, was like, look, I'm like, sent me a bunch of stuff and then said, I have these guys I think you should meet. Um, she sent me their music and I loved it. And then I met them and they were like the nicest, nicest guys who came from this tiny town in um, England called Scunthorpe, which is like the steel town. And they totally got this movie like they and they wrote a couple of songs for it that were beautiful. One. Oh, and uh, but like, yeah, that's one that we pulled off their album that's about to release. But here, yeah, this again, because I think a lot about immigration. Um, this is it, it's again it, the the comedy is their disconnection, but it's also my subtle way of sort of like I don't know re- bringing up the issue. Yeah, he's really good at playing awkward. Yeah, he really buy it. Yeah, he's in real life a smarty pants though, so.
She's in red a lot. Yep. I notice that's yeah. She's also yellow is another color for her, but that's or like her car and. Mm-hmm. She's not really in red as much as it's sort of an orangish. Okay. Ellie's more in red. Yeah, she gets more of a. I love that jacket for him. That's another like he basically has. The other thing is that I talked with my costume designer about is I'm like, look, these people should not have like crazy wardrobes. Like, A, they need to be distressed clothing because they need to look like real people. But like she's always in that coat and he's always Mm -hmm. in that yellow coat. But then he gets one other look and it's like his date look is this coat. Um, uh, Because I feel like that makes us feel like they're they're like they feel like real people and not not actors with like an unlimited uh, clothing budget. So there's a lot of reuse of of things they wear. So this next scene, like I totally like storyboard this out. And, and I remembered everyone on my team was like, I don't know. But I'm like, I I mean, we'll protect ourselves. But I really think this could work because I'm trying like it's a nightmare to figure out how are you going to show texting for two different texting platforms? Three yeah. people. Everyone is communicating with everyone else in a different way. And so I was like, OK, it's going to be like this. This is like my Wong Kar Wai moment. It's like it's going to whip over here and then we're going to do this. And then IDP is like, I don't know if that's going to work, but it's like, OK, so it's like, let's try it. Um, and then I, I'm super proud that it worked out because yeah. I think it's like a like it it uh, it's just a very fun way to visually locate like okay this is Ellie and Esther talking okay this is Ellie and Paul talking coming up and that way you know you can have fun with um like again visually you can have fun with what's uh, emotionally actually happening in the movie <laughs> the sound uh, really. Yeah. Sells it here, too. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just in love. Yeah, the thumbs up. (laughs) So do you think at this point that she knows that he's like does she has any suspicion that he's not doing this typing or no I don't think she has the suspicion that she's not doing the typing because that would be too if she knows thinks that then yeah she'd be like what's going on I think she's just more like something I'm confused like you're so smart but then like are you the, like she's she's more like there's something you know because you wouldn't I don't think your next thing is to think there must be another person who's yeah. typing like you just think like wow how is it that you are so different like you've met like, those people yeah, like you can like, talk you can type and write but you can't speak at all yeah and yeah. his whole thing is he he doesn't and I I think I mean I think later on when you look back I think people are always like oh I should have known but I think this is where she's like something but you know what I'm enjoying this too much I'm mm-hmm. going to go with it And the timing here is so great where she's like trying to come up with the right thing to say. And then he says the right thing. Yeah. Like, because like, the whole time he's pressuring her to be like, we just got to go for it. And her whole time is, no, you, you can't. Right. And that, yeah. that comes back later when she finally kisses Aster. Mm-hmm. That's something she learned from Paul where it's like, you can't like you got to just go for it. Yeah. Right. And I think it's one thing that they're they're teaching each other. But it is he ends up saying exactly the right thing um, in his in elegance because it's real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the. Yeah. Here's the Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. I, I love this song. 
and it's subtly like you'll notice here it's it's coming from the diner like a jukebox in the diner right listen for the fact that in a moment it basically turns into score and it's like one of those things that like that the audience technically shouldn't be that aware of, but it does help with the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like here, like when it turns over, because it's actually scoring her. It's like, you know, um, the hero would be me, but heroes often fail. Like it's turned into score at this point. And like that's a shift that, again, you're trying to like, like hopefully your audience is like suddenly your heart just feels a certain way and you're not sure why, but it's because like it's all the things supporting it. I love sort of seeing people through reflections. Um Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is very fun. It's Them so shopping. Many, it, was this location a real it, it shop? It was or? a clean tour, but we had to set up, because, again, I love foreground background stuff, so art department had to set up those racks that way so I could get, like, uh, so I could buck up. But, yeah, this is all, like, one dolly shot, right? So we had to do for this first piece is all one shot where the idea is that she's always moving away and he's always invading her frame and then she moves away and then he comes back in again which is what's kind of happening where it's like he's always trying to get closer to her and she's always kind of pulling away um yeah so now we don't move yeah this has all been one shot and we don't move to another shot until um what's coming up it's super funny daniel's playing with the like the fringe in the background. He's like, what is this thing? His description of the date is exactly what he'd said earlier a date is with burgers and fries. Yeah. And shakes. I gotta love burgers and fries and shakes. This is like, this is a great moment. Yeah. How does that happen? Yeah, it's like they teach you, like, he's weirdly, because she doesn't really have, like, she loves her dad and her dad loves her. But in a lot of ways, Paul ends up being, like, a surrogate parent in a weird way, like, teaching her things like really what dating is. Yeah, right? some of these sort of social interaction things. It's so funny, the first time they did the scene, I think they didn't realize, like, that they were, like, so they just whipped right by it. I'm like, okay, great. We're going to go back. This time, really look at her and don't say anything. Like, I have made them really, like, do this look with each other. And it was so funny. And they just killed it. I love him helping her dress. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah, it's a... a But also, like, her, her choices are so terrible. <laughs> She's yeah. just like, whatever, I have to wear something. Maybe this is fine. Maybe yeah. this is fine. I also think it's really funny that he's, like, going to find her some things. And then what he ends up finding her is just, like, a white shirt and, like, jeans. But they just fit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they and are they actually look, better. But they they're look just, much better. Yeah. Yeah. They look more her. Yeah, and tell me my, my AD, Adam, was like, do you have something against oboes? Because her, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't have anything against oboes. I just think they're a funny <laughs> um, instrument. I used to play the oboe. Uh, see, I am a funny instrument. It's, they're beautiful. Like, that's exactly what an oboe, like, 
triplets it sounds yeah. sound like. Trio. Also, oh my god, this makes it. Is he supposed to Wolfgang be styled like Springsteen? Yes. Okay, good. He's basically doing this like like eighties uh, Springsteen. Yeah, he he's so funny. He like crushes this. Also, I love Berlin and the song Masquerade. It's like, mm-hmm. again, things that you could, like, I, I realize kids these days don't listen to Masquerade, but I think they should. It's a great song. <laughs> and so, and it also happens to thematically have to do with the film a bit. So, and again, yes. Masquerade ended up being not that expensive to get the the licensing rights to. Um, but yeah, that was my first choice here. Or like how suddenly they all have glow sticks. It's, yeah. It's really good. And this piano definitely looks like the kind of piano a school would have. Yeah. It's yeah. Seen better days. Yeah. I know this is funny where the glow sticks all come out. Like the, I know it was sort of a, a, a again, it's, it's a very cheap way to make that shot look great. Yeah. He's coming straight from work. Yeah. Oh, Wolfgang Novogratz. <laughs> also, I love that these extras, they just look like real kids and people yeah. to me. Um, I don't know. This is, this makes me laugh. I think I was standing with my prop master, Michael Aiken. We both just burst out laughing. We saw that shot where they're like, L.H.U. And everyone's like, oh. And they all sit down and it's so subtle. But I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, even though... Like this, this, this scene is quite painful. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. Like I feel so much for her. Um, yeah. And what a terrible thing to do to the, just cutting the cords on the piano or whatever it is that they do to make it. Oh, what they did is that? they stuck a fork. So Got there's it. actually what they stick a fork inside the, like just below. So then it ends up messing up the strings. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not something you would think to yeah. check <laughs> before starting yeah. a recital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny. The, uh, it's like this shot very much was like, we just wanted to be so much with her and how awful that is. Um, It's nice that he knows that she plays the guitar, so he's able to help her. Like, yeah. it shows how having a friend is a good thing. They yeah. can help you out. Yeah. And I think in this moment, it's literally like, I love that uh, the way, again, um, Daniel and Leah play this, because it's a tough thing. Like, she's suddenly going to sing a song, but I think the, the power of their connection sells this moment. So this is, you'll notice what's about to come up is uh, I very much to stay primarily in one shot. We we cut away at one point briefly to the audience, but otherwise, like, as she really starts singing, the goal was always to, like, very slowly dolly and stay with her. And you'll, you'll see that coming up now. But again, like here, it's kind of like, okay, what is she going to do? What is she going to do? And then as she gets started, so it's...
I say it's the one cutaway just to sort of be like everyone's bored, they're mm-hmm. listless. But then when we go back to her, this stays. It's funny, like the goal of this is very much to keep it very intimate and um, a little bit raw because it's not like, oh, Ellie should be on, you know, like out there recording an album. Yeah. It should be like she actually does have a beautiful voice, but also it's about her, the, her just finally having the, the, the bravery to just actually have it be heard at all. Yeah. Um. I did want it to be like, we don't know how this is going to go down. Like People like we come in, they're like, uh. Yeah, it's an unexpected talent. Like the piano recital yeah. felt very safe. Yes. Like and... that's all anyone knows of her. So she plays the piano. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny, this big, loud applause um, so this is again a sound design moment. Watch when it clicks from here to her in the booth coming up. It's basically mirrored by the tree frogs. Mm. Yeah, like that's a purposeful. So it's like she's still happy thinking about that. And now it's just, but she's alone. It's just tree frogs. Like, or... so funny. We couldn't afford to have Paul's truck. Uh, on location, so we had to just grab another car. I just, the, I only mentioned these little things that's like, those are things like, yeah, I can do away with that. I'll just have him in the passenger seat yeah. to save money. Yeah. yeah. This is sort of, I, uh, this totally made me laugh every time people are like, Chinese girl. Someone noticed this, and I was like impressed that they noticed. Now, it's very subtle, but someone's like, oh, it's almost like she's a little, this, this math girl is like a little bit of a baby dyke. And I'm like, oh, bit mm. like but it's like a subtle little thing <laughs> to be like someday that girl might get there with the plaid yeah um so if I'm the background sliding through like risky business and uh drinkers of Catan yes like, oh god another one that I made funny. up and thought this should exist I should actually come up with rules for that game maybe I'll come up yep. with rules and ask if Netflix will publish it <laughs> And he's looking out for her. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so funny because uh, uh, those are all extras in the background, so they're not actually allowed to speak, which is always one of those challenging things where they have to mime speaking and only one person's allowed to speak. Mm. I'm thinking. That's a good cut. Yeah. This is a nice moment, too, where he remembers, like... Yeah. So this is where he realizes for the first time, like, oh. Yeah. Um, But it's funny. I had to, like... uh, I asked him to put attention food critic, because I'm like, I wonder if people won't read. Like, Like, you have a moment to process this. So they had to clear all those names and addresses, too, so... You really get to see how she's like being his friend too. Yeah, it's really the, sweet. The, you know, I think I think this is the first moment, Paul. Like maybe at the recital, he sort of sees something in her. Like he's starting to see something in her that earlier that night. But at this moment, I think is when his head is slightly spinning. Like now he's like, I don't, you know, and and 
that's why it's like the song lyric, which it's instrumental, but the song is as the night tore and spun around is mm-hmm. actually what the lyric would be. And that's purposeful there, like as a hint as to what's happening for him. Like how his sheets are sports. Yeah. I know. They did a set deck, did an amazing job. This this and it's also funny where she's living in an attic and he's living in the basement. So I'm playing a lot of heaven yeah. and hell. Cause he has so many siblings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just finally been relegated down here. But it's also like the washer dryer's here. His mom's bra is hanging over there. Like you'll see that late like the and it's all subtle, but it tells you about his station in the family. Yeah. Also, like, notice she has her jacket half on. Again, there's a lot of places I play with half here, like the. It's so funny, this, this, I saw, like, we went to so many basements until we found this one, which is great because it has all this texture in the background. And then, again, production design, set deck did an amazing job outfitting it. Um, it's so funny because in this scene in particular like prior to this there's more of a pace up it's like this is happening this is happening and this is where things start to really slow down yeah like this scene and I, I talked to uh, my editor, Lee Percy, about this, where he's like, let's, like, he really looked at the length of these shots to be like, it's subtle, but it, it actually hints to you, like, okay, we're going to slow down now, which makes sense, because that's what it's like when you're with someone that you have a crush on. It's like time turns into something else different, mm-hmm. right? And that's what the scene is. So that you'll see, like, because from here, moving on through the hot springs, it's like suddenly we're in a different um, uh, uh, rhythm and that's intentional. So again, that that flower there, like that's like the flower that was from gone before we ever did the animation, right? You do the animation much later, but in order for things to link, I, I just think it's nicer when when thing you you get to link things. Yeah. But also then subtly, I want people to like wait. Aster drew that subtly. You might think then that opening animation arguably could someday have been Aster's submission to art school. Yeah. a good sound cut right here too yeah. Yeah. I kind of just love I love that like the way we reveal Ellie just leaning against the engineer's booth here I'm like the and it's so funny because that engineer's booth and I told Leah this I'm like that booth is your safe zone mm-hmm. so the closer the more you're in that booth the safer you are the further you're away from that booth the more dangerous things are Right, so you should think about it emotionally that way, which I think informs what happens in this scene. Um, they, because uh, she first initially like got in the booth and she started to get out, and I'm like, nope, find a reason why you're just going to be like, I gotta stay in here. Yeah. It's a really yeah, it's a really great moment.
So what's coming up, the song, I, I love the song by Sharon Van Etten. It's called 17. It came out uh, last year. Oh, here I need to point out there are two deer in the shot, and that happened by accident. There's one right there that's yeah. just one off screen, and then there's a second These one that's running. These are real deer? These are real, yes, they're real deer. It's we did just... not get, they're, they're not union deer that we had to pay for. <laughs> um, the uh, But here, again, it's really important, this felt atmospheric. There's, like, pieces of them. Like, everything is, like, pieces of... Uh, but yeah, that that uh, 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 what I was going to say about uh, Seventeen is that was on a playlist that I created before we ever shot the film. I had like a long playlist of just songs that I found inspirational. Gordon Lightfoot was on there, mm-hmm. um, and then when we when it came time, uh, when uh, Tracy McKnight actually was like, "We can get rights to the song," I was like, "Yes!" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that was a very happy moment. I love that car. I super want that car. It's a great <laughs> like, yeah, Pops little car. Yeah, got that car and painted it. Like, they were like, what color? And we we're looking, and he's like, oh, no, like that's great. So this Hot Springs, um, uh, this, you would not, this is our last day of shooting. We had to shoot all the Hot Springs on our last day. This was such a complicated scenario. But uh, obviously, we didn't want the actors to be freezing to death. Yeah. So there was like all there was like a tent to keep them warm, but also we basically had to create this hot springs because uh, like it was, you know, we could only shoot from one angle, but we had to like get a tub and and uh, and and create this whole scenario because it wouldn't, you know, other if we found an actual small body of water, they would be like blue and shivering yeah. trying to do these long, long scenes. Yeah, so again, there's a little hint of Wings of Desire here, right? Like the person who desires someone who maybe yeah. doesn't. But in this case, this person knows the other one exists. So now we're in whole uncharted territory. She has so many layers on. Yeah. It's so funny. It's a running joke of my friends that I actually am like... You know, if you took off this layer of T-shirt and jeans I'm wearing, I'm just wearing another layer of T-shirt and jeans. Like the, uh, so that actually just comes from my own desire to never actually be naked in public. This is a great, like a little record, or not record player, um, radio. Yeah. Like beautiful color. Yeah. Really yeah. fits. He's, he's got them. Yeah. He's always ready to defend the kingdom. Oh, I love that lens flare. I know Greta knows that I love all lens flare, and I love rays of light in general. So is this not actually steamy like that? No, it's a fog machine. Fog machine. Yeah. It really does make it feel that yeah. hot springs atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because um, initially, like we just, that day, we had so much to shoot. Initially, I had this idea where I really wanted this to be very atmospheric and just pieces of them and their hands in the water and et cetera, but we didn't have time to shoot that uh, without jeopardizing, um, you know, the third piece of the hot springs to come. And I was like, you know what? This like, you know, Greta's actually in the water right now with them. So I love like that 
that little bit of motion that's bouncing, like I think feels very real and immediate. And it's like, you know, I think it's actually really nice to just, like it's rare in this film that we just cut back and forth between two people like this. There's usually something else going on. But here's a moment where these people literally have a five minute conversation, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know the length of the scene is five minutes, but it's it's, I think the longest conversation in the scene by far. Yeah. And it, it makes sense for, you know, the two people that actually have connected by the mind to do so. And it's like, well, why make it like different angles? Like, why not just make it that straight on, um, cutting between them? Did you have to take the, gla- the glass out of her glasses? No. Um, again, remember, this is a fog machine. So okay. it's not. So it's, it's not, not actually ex- making the right, steam that steam, makes sense. Yeah, I didn't know if thing. fog machines like showed up on glasses or not. Yeah. Um, the, Does that uh, make sense? Uh, but she has like anti-fog glasses and mm. like the uh, anti-reflection. Um, but it makes sense. But yeah, this moment is actually probably my one of my favorite lines in the film is when. She's like, you know, I don't believe in God. And she's like, no, it's lonely. She's like, it must be so nice. And she's like, no, it's lonely. Because it's actually something I spend a weirdly inordinate amount of time thinking about is if God exists. And, um, you know, how much um, comfort one would have if they do on some level. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a larger order to the universe. Um, but, like, yeah. Yeah. The uh, uh, yeah. So it it's funny. I'm curious if people realize that, like, basically when she pulls off that shirt, when we come back to them, she's actually wearing the wearing it, yeah. yellow shirt. And I don't know if people can tell that or not. This moment makes this me laugh a, so hard. This so is such a great. Moment. I went off with Colin, who plays the father, and we were talking about like what could happen. And he actually does cook. He's like, well, this is how you would. And he, as soon as he started hurling them, I'm like, that's what we're doing. And then I took Daniel aside and was like, listen, I'm not going to tell you what's about to happen. But what I am going to tell you is that this guy's going to teach you to cook and you need to do everything he does. And so that's it. He did not know that they were going to be hurling meat. And it's super funny because you literally see Daniel start to look up like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. And it like really mirrors. Oh, okay. One of my favorite shots in the movie right here. So this is what I mean about the twinning. And it's referenced yeah. obviously in the animation in the beginning. But, yeah, there's so much about, like, um, the reflections here. Yeah. Like, what's above, what's below. And are they, like, their own other half? That's what it makes me think. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Here's Chicago. Okay, one of my favorite songs of all time. I, mean, I got asked multiple times, are you sure you need that song? Because it's like half your music budget. And I'm like, yeah, that song's not negotiable. It's timeless and personally meaningful. Yeah, it's an all-timer. Because it has, like, so many different layers to it. Yeah. Both lyrically and musically. Yeah. Great song. It's also like really accurate to the kind of radio that I feel like you would get 
in a place like this. Yeah. My hometown only had a classic rock station. There you go. That That's exactly it. it. All they listen to is country and classic rock. That's all my hometown had yeah. was country and classic rock. Yeah, I do a lot of road <laughs> trips and it's still true and I'll get yeah. to large parts of the country. It's like, that's all I'm listening That's to. all there is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Occasionally NPR. Yeah. Or some sort of public radio. It's so funny, this car. Um, so it was actually one of those things that, like, because of sound, we couldn't have her really drive away at first. So they were, like, going to push the car. And then finally we ended up having to, uh, uh, like, one time she drove away. Oh, this, again, I... I Love this is his girl Friday, and I love it for what it's again another triangle film with another triangle in it, but also what it's saying. It's like you know uh, I want to be a woman like you're a traitor, traitor journalism. It subtly underscores some of the themes of what Aster just brought up. Yeah, and he's where his the dad was wearing a Tweety shirt. Yes, which is adorable. Which, by the way, is what my dad. I love my dad. He always wears this Tweety. Uh, sweatshirt. Oh. And so I asked the costume designer, do you think we could do that? And she got the rights and yeah. It's so funny. You don't realize how huge Daniel is until like you see him next to anybody else. And yeah. you're like, like the He's gentle like giant. Towering over her. It's so funny. So you can see Ellie's window just in the background there. I really love that. And that that is his breath. Like we caught on camera. I love that that's. This is trying to get that guitar case to fall was like, like they had to do a rig of fishing line. And like John Nunn, who was assistant prop manager, had to like be like, okay, go. He had to pull it at just the right moment. It was like super funny to. Okay, I have to say that that woman there is Joan Chen, who is in my yeah. first movie and is one of my closest friends and who let me use those photos of her in this film. So she plays, technically plays Ellie's mom. She's the she's the mom in Saving Face, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who are massive Joan fans like I am, it's like a little uh, fun gift for you. Is that her with her her, her own daughter? Her actual daughter. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she has two fantastic daughters, Angela and Audrey. It's super funny. The sports radio in the background, again, we recorded it. Mm-hmm. And I specifically was like, I need you to be like, oh, like there's a moment when like they come back and they're like, oh, that was a long game. And it's like that was written specifically. So it's funny. But if you listen to sports radio, it's weirdly scoring the scene. Mm. Like I was like something that makes this moment as unromantic as possible is yes. Yeah. Just a few things less romantic than sports yeah. radio. Yeah. So this hometown, this like that storefront looks like my hometown, even though that's New York. I'm assuming New York yeah. State. It, yeah, it's all. We yeah, have those. We had to grab it. Same old. Yeah. 30s buildings. Exactly. Like, that's the. That's. No, I'm so glad. I'm so glad like, that you feel the I textures of this. I felt seen as a rural kid watching this movie. I'm so glad. You know, our titles designer Teddy Blanks, who also came from a rural town, mm. said that immediately, and I was so thrilled because I'm like, good. That is the. Uh, uh, this moment where he kind of waved at Aster, but then he's totally waving at her. You can really see his. Yeah. His change. His change. Yeah. yeah. God, that football day was insane. It was like raining. It was thunder. It was hailing. It was like everything. Um, But yeah. (laughs) 
I think they're one score. <laughs> I know. I love that people love that. It's so funny. It's like, you know, they're just like, I love that everyone's just like, we're on the board. Like, they're just so excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moose a good friend of mine it. saw a test screening and immediately got that. And I'm like, oh, good. That plays. Okay, I have to say, by the way, that like when I first wrote the script, I wrote Colton because it's part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's just really funny to me that like how many people now, you know, like uh, like I don't know if it seems too weird, but it's it's like one of those perfect little uh, things that's slowly breaking into the to the American mainstream. I also love this vending machine. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I wrote it, and then we were going into production, and then um, I think to all the boys I loved before it came out, and I'm like, they also reference a yogurt drink, but I don't think they reference your cult. They just say a yogurt drink. Yeah. And I was like, everyone's going to think that this is like a big Asian-American thing, but it kind of is a big Asian thing. That's my—one of my roommates was Japanese-American, and she always had it. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great drink. So here, yeah, it's so funny when I see it in test screenings, every time we get to that moment, the audience goes, oh, when we see and I'm always like, wow, because I think it's a beautiful shot. But that's when I'm like, oh, people are invested in this movie. Yeah. Well, it's so devastating for Allie, too, because she's just, yeah. she's not ready yeah. to, like, talk to her. And then it's devastating here because now he finally gets it. Yeah, it's a. Uh... And again, sound design. It's like very careful how we sound designed this from the beginning to the, but the that that little bit of neon buzz and the little bit of the compressor and the vending machine. That's a rough moment because you know that that's how he was raised to think yeah. that, and now he's just sad because he this is his friend. Yeah. And it's like holding those two truths in his head right now. He just it's exactly it's difficult. You're that's exactly right. It's not that he's telling her fuck you, you're going to hell. It's that it's like he just realized yeah. like you're going to hell. Like it's killing him. Like he's mad at her, but it's also killing him. Um I had a neighbor um tell me so I um like I had a neighbor tell me basically that they were raised yeah that way with those feelings and then knowing people changed how their brain yeah like you, exactly. you raise one way and you have to learn that that's not necessarily the only way yeah no exactly <laughs> drink yeah um bless and he finally, gets finally, to use finally we see the payoff <laughs> I know. We could, yeah, and this is like economy of setups. We couldn't afford to shoot over her to see him, so we don't have that shot. But I think it's much funnier that we see it here. Yeah. But yeah, look at that beautiful design. Like that's just beautiful art production design, art direction. Okay, so this is the Ruin Brothers song that they wrote for this film. Like initially, what I had here as temp music is Neil Young's Harvest Moon, mm. which I love, but we cannot afford that. Um, this and has I a think. Uh, has a harvest what, moon feel to it. I yeah, think. but what the Rumor Brothers did here, it has a little bit of a raindrops are falling on your head feel, which is like heartbreaking and ironic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like, like in this moment, it's like it's funny, but it's like tragic comedy where our hearts are breaking for these three. Like everything yeah. is, is, but like 
just look at how genius the Ruin Brothers are. Like, there's a subtle, like, right here when, so again, trig shot coming up, right there, that little bit. There's a little <laughs> bit of, like, again, scoring, right? Like, when that can drops and, like, what's happening in the song and the music. Um, so, yeah, people always ask me, it's like, yes, I specifically want to say, how do you know if you're a gay? Because that just kind of makes me laugh that, that yeah. that's... Um, and so again, this was all designed by production design, wrote that web page. <laughs> and his brother is always fighting in the background. But yeah, this song also in the beginning, it has a little bit more of a swing to it. But then I asked them, by the time we get here, I want it to get pared down so that by the time they sing the last line, it's raw and real. It's like mm-hmm. in the beginning, it's like, I'm fine. Everything is fine. Like the singer's acting like things are fine. But by the time we're here, you hear the heartbreak in the singer's voice. And that's, I think, what is happening. Like yeah. With this, like the goal is to, to, to pull us into that kind of emotional journey. So again, more rain. There's so many different kind of rain sounds in this film. Ah, ground more pork, the meat of my people. I, again, Colin Chow is just a fantastic actor with such subtlety. Um, it's funny because he's actually known for doing a lot of action films and uh, being, um, you know, like he was in The Matrix. But he's actually a remarkably fine dramatic actor. Like he, we talked and he teared up the first time talking about how reading the script made him think of his daughter. And um, just this whole scene, like, is heartbreaking for me and how he, I think he really just, it, with so, like, he doesn't have that many scenes, but I think our heart goes out to him because of how well he embodies his father and who desperately loves his daughter. And the scene that's about to come up, for me, is one of the most important scenes in the film, um, or this, this beat here, because it's two men who have no idea how to talk, who don't feel like they know how to talk, um, managing to communicate. Mm-hmm. Specifically love this section because Paul's listening so deeply, even though he doesn't know the words, but he knows the feelings. Exactly. It yeah. shows that Paul is the most emotionally intelligent character in this film and that he's getting it. Like he doesn't, he, and I, and I, I, I love that. Like, I definitely got a little bit of like, oh, you should cut this. No one understands Mandarin. And I was like, no. For me personally, this is incredibly important because it, it you know, and then as soon as we showed it to audiences, it's like people mention this as being something that moves them yeah. so much. And it helps, you know, like basically what the dad says here, like coming up, is what I think changed, like, gives Paul the thing that allows him in the next scene to stand up in the church. Because, mm-hmm. again, you're always looking for what is the emotional trigger that sends the character off in the next scene to do what they're able to do. And it, this is it right here. Because he does this huge thing coming up that he would never have been able to do. But it, it's because of what the dad says there. That I think it, it, it hits Paul that that's what he's been doing with Ellie. So 
Are we calendar wise supposed to be in the spring? This is Easter. So this is Easter. Yeah. Yeah. So this is as if like that, that when you went from that last montage, it's as if like three months went by, they haven't been speaking. Everyone is apart. And now we're at Easter. It's like the thaw is starting to happen. so funny with this church I was always obsessed with like from the beginning I said with locations I need a church where she's upstairs and mm-hmm. so she's away from everyone so that she has to come like at some point in the speech she has to come down because I think again that emotionally mimics her finally like showing herself and coming down to be you know amongst everyone else but this again this shows how good Wolfgang is he can be so funny but he can also be so sincere like he's not a bad guy like if Aster marries Trig, it's not like her life will be terrible. Yeah. It's just her life will be smaller than it should be. Right. So it's not horrible. And yet it is also a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what I'm hoping is that it's it's more like he's the safe option. I also think it's super accurate to have them thinking about marriage in high school. Like that's that's how my hotel is. I'm so glad you said that because people were like, how accurate is that? And it's like, not if you're living in like the bubble like we are in San yeah. Francisco, New York. No. But what do you think happens in a small town where nobody leaves? And it's like, oh, the, the you know, the hottest guy and the hottest girl have been dating. Everybody gets Why married. wouldn't they get married? Like what else is going? Yeah. So, yeah, this this moment, actually, this is, I'm not a message movie maker, but what Paul's about to say here is this close to a theme is where he ends up talking about the different ways to love. And how um, he never wants to be the one that won't let people be that. Yeah, That's but more that line. he used to think there was only one way to love, and now he realizes there's so many more than he ever realized. That's what I think this movie's about, mm-hmm. right? Like, you get lulled into thinking it's going to be a romantic comedy of some sort. But actually, it's... Like, romance is very important, but it's only one way to love. There's also friendship. There's also mm-hmm. the love you have for your dad. There's also the love that, like, you know, these the families have for each other. Um, and I think um, I really want to write about that, that, like, it's it's less at the end. Like, there's a misdirect where, like, no one gets the girl, but everyone, I think, ends up, like, leaving being the person they're meant to be. Hmm. So if I so much of uh, like the characters around them, I'll play a little broader. So it's sometimes it's like your three main characters are very, very real. But it feels like that. Where it's like the rest of the world feels slightly nuts. Mm-hmm. So Trig is like, you know, it's like, like for him, he's like, yeah, he's oblivious because his life has always worked out for him. This is yeah. the first moment he actually doesn't get what he wants. Like up till now, everything has worked out for him. This is a great speech. Oh, good. I'm glad. Like, call back to their moment. It's just, it's really good. No, good. Thank you.
Yeah, it's like, again, a very subtle score here, but I think the score beat, this is very much like this is from the beginning. Like what this cue is, this is when the the halves are trying to find each other in the animation. Mm. And so we play that a lot between Ellie and Aster as a subtle sort of callback. And you're going to hear it again when, when they kiss. It's like basically the culmination of this. So again, the test score can help inform um, your story. This moment's very unexpected. Yeah. Because you, you know, she's mad at both of them, but like she's so mad at him. No, no, that's not actually what's going on. She's mad at her. But you know how like he's been using her words and she's one yeah. It's like she's looking at him and slapping. Mm. She's looking at her, but slapping him, meaning this is you. I would slap you. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. It didn't come didn't, across. No, huh? I didn't. Uh, but when you say it that way, now that makes... Yeah. I should have seen it that way. No, you shouldn't have. I, I obviously, I maybe have failed on that then because the goal was for it to be like, I'm looking at you, I'm slapping him, but then when you come back, she's still looking at her. Like, mm. this is for you. But it's kind of like the Saranova. And this poor, poor mm. Paul just basically gets mauled by everyone <laughs> yeah. in that scene. So this is probably, you know... Definitely, if not my favorite scene, maybe one of my top three favorites because it, it's not like it's such a quiet scene. But for me, the the love that they have for each other, it's very uh, Asian to nobody says I love you. You know, it's not a but you do it. It's all in what you don't say and what you do instead. Mm-hmm. And I think the scene exemplifies that. So the love language here is the food. The love language here is him letting her go saying go mm. to school like you can um i'm gonna be okay don't stay here to take care of me like you need to go to grinnell in iowa that's what we came here like that's what your mom would have done your mom like be like her don't be like me mm. right he's basically saying i'm not gonna hold you back um and uh but then it's also very like she's not gonna be like thank you so much there's also this funny thing where suddenly it's like there's a little bit of humor there like you know they're Mm -hmm. like gonna diffuse it a bit but there's something so real and they're just gonna keep making dumplings and no one will say anything but you feel the love between them so this is very much a story about a girl who doesn't know how to describe love and writes, uses other people's words and quotes and writes other people's papers, who finally learns, you know, like that's why she's quoted here. She finally learns how to describe love herself. Yeah, she's finally felt it. Yeah, like she's finally trusting her own words. She only wearing one shirt. Sorry? Is she only wearing one shirt? Who sh- which shirt are you talking about? Ellie. Yeah, I guess she is. <laughs> yeah. It's like the one time she's only wearing one shirt. It's so funny. It's because this is the end of summer. Makes sense. Yeah. But it's so funny because, of course, it rained that day that we're shooting this, and we're like, ugh. But then it's like, well, it is, honestly, it's the Pacific Northwest. That's still possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that it is a... Uh, uh, and also the birds went insane that day. There's like, so we just had to put more birds on the track. Like the birds would not let up in the, as we were recording the scene. So then I was like, great, then let's, then that's, you know, we never hear birds that much in the winter here. We'll make that a thing. 
Um, it's also funny to me that Astor works in a Mexican restaurant, um, you know, like uh, in this very white town. So this is, that was why I asked about the, you know, was there a moment earlier where she thought maybe she thought? Yes, this is yeah. her saying, not that moment. That would have been too soon. Yeah. Because then she'd be like, why are you writing this? It's more like as I'm thinking probably maybe in the hot springs, mm. but I don't think she's thinking. It's not conscious. Mm -hmm. It's more like, I don't understand. I'm actually having this feeling with someone that I can't possibly be feeling anything for. And it's similar to that. That's why she goes to try and kiss Paul. Because ah, she's like right after, right? It makes a lot of sense. And I think here, it's like she can't quite put together, but that other, I mean, who would guess that that's what it is? That like it's Elaine Paul, but once it makes clear, she's probably looking back and being like, if she's totally mm. honest. The truth is what she's thinking is if she's totally honest, and she, it was a different world, she probably is a little attracted to Ellie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she just can't totally go there. Um, and she'll go to art school and then... Yeah. It'll all... Who knows? Open up. Art school turns you gay. That's really what this <laughs> film is about. So again, yeah, the score here with the voices, this this is like the culmination of what happened in the beginning, uh, which we introduce if, with the animation in the beginning. We hint at again in the church. And here, it's like this is the, you know, and it gives us a sense that it's not so much that these two need to be together, like they're not halves that complete each other, but there's also a sense of these are soulmates on some level, and you can mm -hmm. have multiple soul like they're different like she also ellie connects with paul you know like but here i i don't know i guess i want to have my cake and eat it too where it's like yeah it doesn't need to be like and then they're together it's more but we see the acknowledgement in the that there's uh, a, a connection there yeah and who knows in two years maybe they will be that who knows but it doesn't even matter the point is ellie's gonna be okay yeah you know like like we she's and she got that from paul you know like she got that from her her connection with paul <laughs> that here's the emojis yeah we had to design that last emoji that caterpillar glasses because there was no such emoji um which i thought was and i basically said give me a caterpillar that looks like daria <laughs> that shows you how little i use emojis i didn't realize it was a made-up emoji so this is something people are like, this is very, like, the, the dad is going to miss her so much. He's not out there being like, I love you. Like, that yeah. would be something my, where you'd be like, okay, no, no, I'm fine. I'm hide in here. And I remembered someone being like, what well, does that mean? He doesn't love her. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. In a Chinese family, it's actually because he, he, it's, he loves her so much. He's going to be like, oh, I'm here. I'm fine. You know, and they know. It's unspoken, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, and it's the first time you see him not in his bathrobe. Yep, he's yeah. going to be okay. He's groomed, he's he looks this. good. He fixed the signal light, like mm -hmm. that thing is working. she going to be riding this train for eight days, or six days, or whatever it was? Yeah, it's going to be That's like well. one of those where you might have to change. She's probably going to, honestly, I that, she probably has to weirdly ride west first to go back to Seattle to catch a, a train. You know, so it's like, like there's yeah. going to be some chain, like... That makes sense. So this, if you notice, is actually an, uh, 
uh, mimics the uh, the ek villain, the, the Indian Bollywood film. Yeah, yeah. the uh, uh, but yeah, it's like there's her bedroom going past. It's funny at at uh, one point in production, like. Um, well, I want to say two things. One is this: the score is actually a, a embroiders uh, all their ping pong. It's the score under their ping pong mm. we made for this, like when their connection first started. But it's so funny, do you say that there was like a person of color on the train? It's like the first other person of color. We'd yeah. See. <laughs> um, but. Uh, here I want this feeling to be like, for all we know, Paul's still running after her. Like she's just, you know, until he's yeah. like disappeared into the distance. So what happens next is it, it, it's funny. In the script, I'd written one last line that I secretly was hoping to cut, which we do. Like I just had like this woman say, oh, that's nice. Is he your, is that your boyfriend? And she's like, no, he's my friend. Um, but really what I want is like we we cut it because what I wanted here is that, like, I wanted these shots, like, the day we're shooting, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have these various shots, because the goal is that everyone's looking out the window, everyone's looking for something, whether it's their other half, everyone is secretly searching for something. And then we come back to her, she's looking out the window, but then she turns, and it's like watching her through here, we sort of see, like, her starting to gain the confidence. And again, this is about first shot is on her back, last shot mm-hmm. is on her here. And we start to see, like, we know she's going to be okay, but more importantly, she knows she's going to be okay. Yeah. The other funny thing about that that last voice sound is it sounds like a woman, but it's actually um it's actually my composer's arranger, I think, uh, who's this big burly guy, and they ran it through a filter called Alter Boy, mm. which seems so hilarious and appropriate. Um, and yeah, and then this is the song the Ruin Brothers wrote for us, but then redone more intimately and slowed down. So I sort of we revisit it, and it's and he they get to play the whole song. Um, Here's the cast list. Yeah. Yeah, the so here's all the people and that we just watched. Yeah. Um, the uh, stunt coordinator. There we go. No, this is it's a really wonderful team. Um, the uh, also, it's funny. I was thinking about that last scene. I I made uh, playlists for each of the three actors before we started shooting, and I gave them to them the 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 first day of the shoot, right, uh, for their each of their characters. But then I would add to, like with Ellie's, I added a song from Paul's playlist on the day we were due to shoot the last scene mm. um, so that they were always getting um, sort of, they were also getting like musical cues as to what might emotionally be happening. Um, but yeah, that... It's so funny. Look, I, I, I always watch credits on movies I love because you, you get a sense of how many people, even on like a small movie like mine, like how many people have to come together to get something made. Yeah, I always used to stay and watch them with my parents. Um, they are, it's amazing, like the kind of jobs yeah. that you'll see and you're like, that's a job? Yeah. There's a lot of jobs. Oh, yeah. I, I, um... It's a. Uh, it's really. Um, it's 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 humbling, right? Like when you're you're in a room by yourself writing for such a long time, and then all of a sudden there are all these people who come together, um, to make this thing that was just in your head. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, it's just funny, like now looking and, and, um, oh, sorry, like uh, I, my music editor, Susanna Parrish, I just, sorry, go back again. Music is a huge part of this movie. Yeah. And her and my, um, music supervisor, Tracy McKnight, just really, uh, they were wonderful. Um, also, it was funny, we did a post in New York, which I have to say I, I really love because then I'll work till like midnight and then I don't, I would want one on drive. So it's great to just take the subway yeah. uh, home. Um, but I love like, um, yeah, it's just sort of uh, when they first told me like, look, I think we can find locations upstate New York. I'm like, really? But then when I realized like with the tax, like that I could just sort of be in New York that whole year, it was actually great. So here's all the songs. Masquerade. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, I really, I, I hope, I'm pretty sure they're going to release some sort of Spotify. Yeah, I think Spotify, Spotify soundtracks come Yeah, in. I, I, but yeah, Coral Wedge, Helen Frankenthaler. That's the, I know, I can't, I can't believe we managed to get all those movies. Yeah. They were, every time another one popped up, I was like, wait, that one too. Yeah. Be a good yeah. watch list to put together. Yeah, it's funny. The the thinking Mrs. Jean Gazelle shop. She was actually my high school English teacher who made a huge difference in my Aww. life. And so she's the only character, Mrs. G in here. It's Mrs. Gazelle shop. She's the yeah. only character whose name is actually real. Oh wow! Like, yeah, she's passed away since, but she was the only. Uh, uh, I it didn't even occur to me I could major in English. I I majored in computer science, and I would come back and visit her from college, and she asked me, "What did you major in?" and when I told her, she's like, well, that's a shame. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I always wanted you to major in English. And I'm like, you thought that was a possibility for me? Um, I mean, this is a long time ago. So, yeah. you know, the back then it was not a... But yeah, now it's... it's um, but yeah, I wanted to pay tribute to her. Well, there you go. You did a great job. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank this you. was a great episode. And I hope all you guys enjoyed listening and uh, watched the movie again with even more to think about while you're watching and um, we'll see you guys on the next episode of watching with all right thank you 